Hey everyone, welcome back to Midnight Movie Confessionals. I'm your host, Scott. And today I decided to watch a movie I haven't watched in quite a while. And I saw it was on a streaming service that I can get. And I saw it was available. And I realized I bought a copy of it on 4K around Boxing Day. And this movie that I'm going to review is, as of this recording... 30 years old it will be 31 on february 14th 2023 so when you are hearing this review you will be hearing it on the 31st anniversary of this movie but that's a different story it's i'm doing it now in advance because right now i'd rather get it out of the way and get it done now than not and this movie that i decided to watch is the 1992 film wayne's world now why did i decide to watch wayne's world well Knowing me, I used to love this movie as a kid. I grew up watching this shit like 20 million times. And I still remember some of the funniest scenes for me are involving... Literally, it's all in the first movie. I know they made a sequel in 1994. I didn't mind that one. That was okay, but... Not one I can say I'll go out and watch. Unless I have a double bill feature with both. Which, if that was the case, I would do it. But um, that's not happening anytime soon. If it is, I don't know where it will be. All I do know is that this movie is about two slackers of sorts. I'm I'm gonna I'm calling them slackers in a not so nasty way. I just mean like some guys that just they do this show out of their base. Their their one of the one of the parent one of the guys' parents' basement. In Illinois, and specifically in Aurora, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, apparently. We have Wayne, the main guy, who's ha- who has this show, right, on Aurora Access Cable 10, I guess, local access television. Which is kind of cool, to say the least. He's on local access television. He has his own little cheap TV show that he does with his best friend, Garth. I guess they've been friends since, since school. And for a long time, and they've been hanging out with other buddies like Terry, um, who else? Terry, Phil, Glenn, and a few others. But they all help make the show overall. And they're all working together. They have constant guests, like this one guy named Ron Paxton, who brings over this thing called the Suck Cut and tries it on Garth. And he has a absolute mental breakdown, freak out, whatever you want to call it, just a, a total shutdown, and the two are very eccentric, I'll say that, they're very eccentric on what they do, but anyways, they enjoy going to a place called the Gasworks every so often, it's a heavy metal bar, it's apparently a total babe fest all the time, and it's got a pool table too! According to Garth, which okay, cool, buddy. But anyways, they go to places like this on their weekends, I guess, whenever they're not doing show on Friday nights. But the whole basics of this story, because I'm kind of going into different directions with it. But basically, it is basically it's an experiment to show what a Saturday Night Live. TV like a uh, skit could look like if it was turned into a movie more or less and that's how it it's done 
it's basically the fact is like these guys are just doing whatever they're doing their own big deal like they're getting their own thing going on but more or less it's basically they get the attention of a guy named Benjamin Kane who's the regional programmer programming director of Oliver Communications in the Chicago land area and he catches this Joe and he thinks I have an idea I could sell this to this arcade owner of sorts named uh, what's his name right now um, Noah Vanderhoff who has a franchise of amusement arcade out in Chicago and around the rest of the metro area of Chicago around the suburbs and all that so like while they're cruising out in Garth's like they like while they're cruising after the episode is done Wayne and Garth are cruising with the whole gang Wayne asks Garth to pull over the car the Mirthmobile in a fe- like the, to admire a Fender Stratocaster but anyways the, here's the, the, the main part of the movie for the most part it's like Wayne wants his guitar and his it's, it's an obsession of his like he keeps on torturing himself apparently because Garth even says at this scene when they says he does this every Friday stop torturing yourself man you'll never afford it live in the now what is Wayne's reply and he also kind of breaks the fourth game with this too it will be mine oh yes it will be mine and this is the movie that introduced me to the song Bohemian Rhapsody which thank you wherever you are Freddie wherever the Wherever you are in this world or out there, wherever you are in life, thank you very much for blessing this movie for this song. Or else I would never have learned it all till years later. But this is the movie that got me into Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. And is the reason why every time I listen to this song and I sing along to it, even at karaoke nights. Yes, I do karaoke nights. Um, I actually do the headbanging scene as well while doing the song during the quick little interlude whatever like bridge whatever you want to call it little guitar solo break i do that because you know what i don't care anyways they find themselves going to after that they go to stan makita's donuts which is apparently an excellent donut shop slash munchie post that they find themselves ordering whatever they run into um wayne's ex-girlfriend stacy who's really obsessive about him and whatever they decide to after go to the gas works a heavy metal bar like i said like where they um find themselves listening to a band called crucial taunt which has the band's lead singer and bassist be played by t.a carrera who plays the character cassandra wong i should also mention who's in this movie i forgot to do that mike myers dana carvey rob lowe t.a carrera brian doyle murphy and for the most part, this movie's hilarious. For a 95-minute film, it's fucking hilarious. And I'm sorry that I'm doing this still. Um, anyways, Benjamin also shows up one night, I guess, when they see themselves, like, uh, finds out about this, like, uh, after he shows the show to Mr. Vanderhoff and says, like, I should find out where these guys sell, their, like, where they record and all that. And you and I his be- and his friend Russell decide to go over there and they try to purchase the rights for $5,000 each from both of them so basically $10,000 so they could use the show however they want 
and they decide to do so, but he does, like, they do so without Wayne realizing they, the rice that show up and purchased for 10 grand. Now, Russell and Ben Jimin own the show, and he doesn't realize that. He used that to get this 1964 Fender Stratocaster in classic white, with triple soil single coil pickups on a whammy bar that Cassandra, if she was to own it, she would raise the bridge, fall down the nut, and take the buzz out of the low E. Anyways, they do this. Um, they also got a CD player for the car. They also uh, see that Benjamin may be attempting to court Cassandra using his wealth and good looks, distracting Wayne with all access passes to an Alex Scooper concert in Milwaukee while offering to produce a video for Crucial Taunt. And at the show, they make an acquaintance of a bodyguard that's of the producer, Frankie Sharp, who owns Sharp Records, who is, I guess, a friend of Alice Cooper's. But anyways, while they're trying to fill, like, uh, they also find out some information from uh, Alice about the city of Milwaukee, how it's actually an Indian name, which is actually, when it's actually pronounced in Algonquin, Miliwake, which is... Algonquin, I'm sorry if I mispronounced the name of the people, the native peoples, and the how to say the city, but apparently it's Algonquin, again, I'm sorry, for the good land. I don't know if that's actually how it's pronounced. I am sorry if you are indigenous of North America, if you're North, if you're an indigenous North American and I have offended you, I am sorry for that. I will hope to hear from someone that is of that uh, band that could uh, correct me on that if they ever do decide to listen to it but if they don't that's okay um anyways uh they go into the whole situation about it they find themselves filming the revamped version of Wayne's World under Ben's oversight and they find adjusting to the professional environment is a little challenging their contract obliges that they give a promotional interview to Noah who owns the franchise and whatnot after Wayne ridicules him on the show he's fired leaving Garth to host it on his own which infuriates Garth and kind of jeopardizes the friendship that these two have and besides that jealous of the attention that Ben's giving Cassandra Wayne attempts to prevent her from participating in the video shoot and she breaks up with him for his distrust so all this is going on Wayne and Garth decide to reconcile and hatch a scheme to win Cassandra back getting her a record deal themselves and they in turn that Frankie Sharp is going to hear the band play. Garth and the friends um, infiltrate the satellite station with the stuff of, uh, what, like, with Russell hopping out, get all the stuff from the Cable 10 locale to hack the satellites and all this, to get it all sorted, to have it so they could play and have it directly aimed at Frankie Sharp's limo. <laughs> they hack into the, like, they take everything that they need to take. Sharp, like, and it ends up having the performance. Ben shows up. Frankie Sharp shows up. And here's where the movie kind of does its three dumbass endings, if you ask me. But the first ending is... Ben, oh, Frankie Sharp decides to, declines the offer to give Crucial Town a record contract. Cassandra breaks up with Wayne permanently, and she and Benjamin depart to a tropical resort. Where St- and Stacy reveals that she's pregnant with Wayne's child, and electrical defi- fire destroys the entire house and kills Garth. It seems apparently, and they even break the fourth wall here, where they're dissatisfied with that ending. And they give him a dumb, 
Scooby-Doo ending where the unmasked Benjamin as Old Man Withers in a Scooby-Doo style parody. And Old Man Withers is the one that runs the amusement park, apparently, in Aurora. And even at, like, and even uh, Wayne asks him how it's going, and he says, it's just going great, Wayne. Like, we don't know much about this random guy, but he just shows back up again near the end of the movie. Because why? I don't know. But anyways, it was just a funny sequence, I guess. And it, it is funny still. But anyways... They're still unsatisfied. They restarted with a mega happy ending, which Cassandra and the band signed a record contract. She rekindles her relationship with Wayne. Garth begins a relationship with a waitress he's been fantasizing over for however long. While a bunch of other people kind of ref- like find themselves realizing that they can do this, they can do that. Ben realizes that money good looks do not necessarily bring happiness. And the movie kind of ends in a positive note. It, it, it ends in a good way to me. And it's funny how it ends because it has two credit sequences this is before we became obsessed with end credit sequences and mid credit sequences which if i'm honest i'm sick and tired of god i had to say it out loud and i'm still to this day sick and tired of mid credit sequences and end credit sequences it's fine if it's in some movies every now and then but if it's in every single movie i'm looking at you marvel I'm looking at you, and I'm also looking at you too, DC. Stop it. It's enough now. Get over yourselves. I want to strangle whoever wants to do that. I'm sorry for that outburst, folks. That was not my intentions. But anyways, it it has these two sequences. The first one kind of says, like, that was a good way to end the movie. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And it has one more where they basically are like we're waiting guard. They're just reading magazines and just not being told when to leave. And it's like when they get tired, they're just gonna fade to black. And then you just hear uh, waiting guard just kind of commenting on it. It's like can't believe they did that. I told you. And that's how the movie ends. And I'm gonna tell you right now, this movie. I don't know how many. It's been thirty years, thirty plus, thirty one years, as of this recording when you're gonna hear it. It's been thirty one years since it's come out. Does my opinion on it still feel the same? Yes. Is it a perfect movie? No. It's still very fucking funny. But on the scale of 1 to 10, what am I going to give Wayne's World? Well, to answer that, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in between, everyone that is listening to this, all my folks, all my cinephiles, this is not a 10 out of 10 movie. This is a 9 out of 10 movie. This is one of the best movies, hands down, that was made out of a Saturday Night Live skit. If you ask me, one of the best of all, like, of all time, if you ask me. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's the 10th highest grossing film of 1992, and it highest grossing film based on a Saturday Night Live, Live sketch. sketch. I don't know how many they've made, but I know they've made quite a few. Like, Night of the Roxbury is one. I can think of off the top of my head. There's been several. Even the Blues Brothers was another one that was, I guess, okay. There was also Coneheads. There was a bunch. But I guess a lot of them just didn't work well. Even MacGruber was one that I didn't like. But anyways, this is a movie that had a $20 million budget and made $183.1 million at the box office. Tell me, does this not sound like one of the best movies ever made? Like... To this day, I still just laugh at this movie, and I'm just, I just know that, um, 
uh, what's it called? I just know there was one thing I remember for the longest time as a kid that I didn't get to hear properly. And that was the Stairway to Heaven scene, because it was like the four notes were meant to be played originally, but they were replaced with different sets of guitar notes, all in home media releases. And that kind of bugged me. I never got to hear the new Stairway part for decades as a kid. And now, as a 30-year-old man, I'm hearing it for the first time, I'm like... <laughs> yes! Yes! I get it now! Like... I feel old even saying it now that I get it now, but I knew what they were, they were making a dumb joke, but I couldn't hear that because I thought that's, because for years I hated that scene, especially when I actually heard Stairway to Heaven properly, I'm like, that's not Stairway, but then I found out it was just due to cost, but now it seems that Paramount is okay with the cost. Anyways, I'm happy that I listened. I, I rewatched this movie, and quite frankly, it's an experience to say the least to watch it again. It was fun. Now, was it the best experience? Probably not, but at least I was able to see it in a crisp, clear look. Something I haven't seen before because I haven't really seen it in 4K before, and that kind of made my experience even more enjoyable to say the least. But anyways. If any of you out there have not seen Wayne's World and you are interested in checking it out, you owe yourselves to watch this movie. If you think it's that good, check out the second one. Some parts of it kind of wane on the hilarity a little bit. It's not as funny as it should be. But the very first movie, just solid. Just absolutely just balls to the walls, funny. You're going to have really dumb movie references and other pop culture references in this one as well as in two. But that's what you get from Saturday Night Live. That's what you get from movies like this. It's not a spoof movie. Quite the contrary. It's a movie that's making sly jokes about other things that happen. Like, it makes references to The Graduate for crying out loud in the second one. This one makes references to Terminator 2. This one makes references to, like, everything and anything he can get his hands on. And that's what makes it work. Now, I'm going to get off of here, everyone, before I have a full-blown, I don't know what, and start to go venting and get on a horrible tangent about the stupidest things. I will not do that. I will, however, mention the motion picture soundtrack, which has some amazing stuff on here. You have Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. You have Hot and Bothered by Cinderella. You have Rock Candy by Bullet Boys. You got the re-recorded version of Dreamweaver by Gary Wright. You got Sick by Red Hot Chili Peppers. You got Time Machine by Black Sabbath. You got The Wayne's World theme by Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. You got Ballroom Blitz played by Crucial Tom, which is actually just Tia Carrere. You got Foxy Lady by G- The Jimi Hendrix Experience. You got Feed My Frankenstein by Alice Cooper. You got Ride With Yourself by Rhino Bucket Loving Your Loving by Eric Clapton. Why You Want to Break My Heart by Tia Carrere again. And you also got Loud Love, which is not included on all versions by Soundgarden but that's okay there are some songs that were in this song, in this movie that weren't uh, for some reason not on the soundtrack but that's okay we have songs like Cold Chills by Kicks. we have Everything About You by Ugly Kid Joe a cover of 
Fire by Tia Carrera, which has not been commercially released at this time. Making Our Dreams Come True by Cindy Greco. Cin- yeah. Even Touch Me, also by um, Tia Carrera. Happy Birthday, Mr. President, which was kind of haha. But we also have All Night Thing by Temple of the Dog. Now, I didn't know that this was a Temple of the Dog song for many years. I did not know this. Now, when I rewatched this film and I used my Shazam app, which I shouldn't have done, but it's at home. It's my own, whatever I do, the privacy of my own home, I can do whatever. But anyways, I didn't know who Temple, I, I didn't know this was a Temple of the Dog song. I thought it was just some random artist for the longest time. Now I know it's a Temple of the Dog song. Even if they were only a super group that was around for just a year or two, I think. They were around for a little bit, but they have had several on, one-off reunions. And it has, like, people from uh, Pearl Jam, a little bit of uh, uh, Mother Love Bone, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and a few others. And it's just, like, maybe had only one album, but it still is just amazing to know that they actually had something. It's a lot of good stuff, if you ask me, to know that they had an album that was just one song, or one album, but it had some good songs on there. And I know I've never fully listened to it all the way through, but you know what? I might decide to do so one of these days to do a Music from the Courier Share episode, but right now, I don't see that happening just yet. It might happen in this in this in the future, but right now... I don't know what's happening next, but I do know one thing is for certain. I enjoyed watching this movie. I will probably rewatch it again sometime in the future and probably just go back to, just to watch it and laugh again like I normally do. I might not, but right now I am definitely saying this movie was definitely a 9 out of 10. It was worth the experience. Nevertheless, it was enjoyable. It was funny. It was fun. I had fun with it. I might have to show this to folks. I've never seen it before and probably ask them what do they think might not happen that quickly but you know you never know but i do know i enjoyed this movie to say the least it was a fun time i know i enjoyed it it was just a fun time anyways i better let you all go i hope you all had a great time this is scott signing out end transmission Oh, wait, I forgot this is still going on. Well, I guess if it is, I guess you just kind of want to turn it off and just fade it to black, I guess. I can't believe they did that. I told you.